This is Blue Collar Culture, where you don't need ping pong tables, a cereal bar, or nap pots to attract and retain real A players. Join us where we speak with down-to-earth leaders that understand what it takes to win with a blue collar culture. Now here are your hosts, Jeremy McLiver and Ryan England. Every once in a while, there's someone that you meet and in that first couple of minutes of talking, you know that it's going to be a great conversation. Today's guest is that for me. We see so much the same when it comes to how you grow a team and how you take care of a team. And today's guest built an amazing home services contracting business, 250 employees. And it wasn't just because he lucked into it or he tripped over it. He had to do some personal searching and really understanding what it was that his team members wanted. And on today's episode, we are going to share some of the things that he learned as well as some action items that you can put into place right away so that you can start seeing some of these same great benefits. And as I listen back to the episode and I think about what it is that we discussed today, there's so much here that not only will help you on the retention side and growing a team, but it's going to help you in your recruiting as well. So I'd love to introduce today's guest, Justin Carroll with the P1 Service Group. They're doing some great things over there at P1 Service Group. And one of the things that we're doing is really getting out there how important culture is to your business. Hey, Justin, welcome to the show. Thank you. We got to spend a little bit of time talking before we started the recording here. And you get a great story. And I love what you're doing in consolidating some brands and being able to provide resources to contractors that are out there that are thinking, hey, is there, are there other ways to do this? Are there other ways to be part of a larger group and get more support? And after that, we started talking a little bit about culture. And you and I couldn't agree more on the importance of culture. But one of the things you brought up, it was you had mentioned that uh, there's a reason that not a lot of people put a lot of value into culture in the trades. And I'd love for you to touch on that again for our listeners, because I thought the way you said it was so great and maybe just help some people go, wow, that is an important thing. Can you touch on that again for me? Sure. Yeah. I think in general, most of the people in the trades were trained by someone else in the trades. And if that is the case, as a business owner, there's nobody who comes knocking on your door one day that says, hey, your culture here really sucks. You need to do something about that. (laughs) And if nobody brings it to our attention... We're going to do things in a similar way to what, how we were taught. And so most people in the trades being taught by another tradesman, the standard, if you will, has kind of been similar to joining a fraternity where you're hazed for the first several months or several years of your career until you finally learn enough to where you're worthy and you can go out on your own and you're not reliant on this expert from the industry who taught you how to use your tools. And so I think just... Ignorant ways of doing things, just being taught to the next person and the next person and the next person is how we ended up where we are today. Yeah. I still see that to this day. New person shows up and the company can't figure out why people are turning so fast. They were here three days. They were here a week. They were here two weeks. And reality is it takes 10 weeks for someone to find a new job on average. So if they leave in the first 10 weeks, they never stop looking. So there were red flags the whole way. But we had a client one time and they did a lot of work and there was a lot of digging involved and they would grab a guy brand new to the industry, never been in construction before. And they'd put a shovel in his hands and they'd make him dig for eight hours a day. And then the next day he couldn't get out of bed because his body had hurt like crazy. And the belief was, well, we dig ditches eight hours a day. They should be able to dig ditches eight hours a day. 
<laughs> it doesn't work like that day one. So that's an important part is to really be able to put yourself in the shoes of the new recruit or of the new employee and say, how do we build something that's stickier, that's better, that gets people excited? And I know you're passionate about company culture, and I'm just going to throw it out there. That's what we're talking about right now is how you behave inside of your organization. What have you seen some of the things that companies have done that have really kind of opened their eyes to this and changed the way they do it? Like, Got any tips for our listeners? Yeah. I mean, I think it all starts at the very top. So it starts with the owners of the presidents of the companies and it starts with their mindset. How do I think about the people who work for me? In my company, I hated the word employee. I don't use that word too often, but I hated that word. Like I cringed when somebody called someone who worked here an employee. And so we changed that to team members. And I think the way that you think about the people who work within the company will drastically impact how they feel treated within the company. And, and when people feel cared for, when they truly feel like the company and the people that work within the company care about their well-being and are significantly concerned about that, they tend to reciprocate. That's not to say you don't have some bad apples out there, some people who, if you take great care of them, they won't take advantage of you. But I would say, in my opinion and in my experience, when you go way out of your way to care about people, they will reciprocate 98% of the time with the exception of a couple bad apples who just, maybe they won't ever reciprocate and maybe they don't care. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting you say that in my new book that's coming out, we talk about this care gap and the people that just don't care, like they're in that middle spot and they're kind of either a little toxic or they just don't care. And like, what can we do to help them? And how do we solve that problem? And you know, I, what I found is that better hiring decisions <laughs> and it's weeding those people out before they're on the team because they drag everybody down, those people that just don't care about the situation. But I love what you said is that really people want to feel like they have a place where they belong and they want to feel like they're cared for. And it's so counterintuitive to what I see in the trades because, oh, we're tough and we're macho and we don't need to worry about that soft, fuzzy stuff. I actually had guys tell me that before. I want to worry about this warm, fuzzy stuff. That's not for us. And at the end of the day, we're all people. We all have those needs. And how loyal do we feel to someone who we really don't think has our best interest in mind? How loyal are we going to be to a person who we really don't believe cares about us? Absolutely. It's interesting because. And what I tell people is like you said, people learn the trades by someone else in the trades. And they had this hazing mentality because that's what they were taught. So they just did what they were taught. And I don't know that anyone's ever really sat down and said, hey, maybe we need to have conversations with people and understand what their hopes and their goals and their dreams are and understand what's important to them and then create that for them. Give them those opportunities. And we might not be in the predicament that we're in right now where people aren't joining the trades like they used to. Yeah. I mean, everything we're going to talk about today, I would imagine for the most part, is mostly all common sense. Unfortunately, common sense isn't common practice. <laughs> and so if you were really to sit down and you were to say, okay, forget about everything I've ever known about the trades, but let me just consider what Justin just said. He said that People want to be cared for and they want to feel like they're cared for. And as long as they do, they're likely going to be tremendously loyal to the business and be willing to run through mountains for it. Versus if we treat them like crap and they don't feel cared for, they're probably going to be looking for opportunities to run every chance that they get. 
Yeah. You're a human. <laughs> Does that seem logical, right? <laughs> Common sense. It's not rocket science. So you had 200 employees. Is that right? That's how big you built your company? I believe at our peak, we've had, I think it's 250, give or take. So you did something right, right? Like I know there's people listening right now thinking, oh, there's no one out there that wants to work. There's no way I can hire more people. Well, you found 250 people that work with you. And there was clearly some lessons learned in there, I would imagine. Can you share a couple of the things that we should be doing to really help us to not only just grow a team, but to keep people too? Because retention is, I mean, that's a tough one right now as well. So what were some lessons you learned in growing an organization that big? Yeah. So there was a time when we were a revolving door and people came in as fast as they went out and the business just, we couldn't retain people. And it was also extremely difficult to hire people and and get them to actually show up for their first day of work. And what I mentioned earlier, I would say is where it all begins. It begins with the owners or the president's mentality on people and team members and how they should be treated. And so since we have already talked about that a little bit, we'll spend much time there other than just to say, It starts with your mentality. And if your mentality isn't right, if you're trying to fake it, it'll be seen. It'll come out. And this is something that you need to own. You need to truly care about the people who devote a large percentage of their waking hours in a day to you. You need to care about them and their well-being and how good of a life they're living. And so I think we can play a role in people's well-being. And I believe that we can enhance their lives. And so once I started to think that way and, and got out of my selfish mentality that I was in, all of a sudden, I started to see different behaviors in people. To be honest, it started with my faith. It started with a connection with God and caring about what God would want me to do and how God would want me to steward over a business. And that's when I realized I had a lot of selfish tendencies. But after recognizing that the right thing to do was to just care about people first and then actually start to implement and put things into place, that's when everything started to shift. One day at a time, as I started to shift my mentality, I watched others around me start to grow and to listen more and to be more engaged. And so to turn this into action items, because I think that's what you're asking for, and I think that's what's important. That's exactly where I was going to go. So (laughs) thank you for that. Yeah. What are some things they can do? So you should do something that aligns with you and your culture and what what you think matters to your team. And for me, I can explain what that was. But if the things that I say don't resonate with you, then I would say, find your own way, find something that makes sense to you. And so for me, I sat down and went through an exercise of what are the most important areas in a human being's life? What are the most important things? And so I thought, okay, well, money is important to a lot of human beings. Relationships are important to a lot of human beings. Health is important to a lot of human beings. And so within those categories, what benefits could I bring to my team that would allow them to exceed in those areas or grow in those areas of life? You could take money as an example. As crazy as it sounds, most of us were never taught to manage our own budget, never taught to create a budget at home. So what could we do to help our team members to better understand budgeting and money and how to manage their money? And so... We offered the benefit of uh, the Dave Ramsey personal finance coaching that we paid for. And that was the first benefit we brought in. That's kind of where it all began. And so we paid for this Dave Ramsey coaching and experience for all of our team members. And so we started with money. And then we took a look at the health side of things. What could we do to improve 
the health of the people who work at Perfect Home Services. So we started paying for gym memberships and dietitians. And so as a team member at our company, as long as you go to the gym at least eight times in a month and you bring in your proof that you went at least eight times in the month, just two times a week, we'd pay up to $20 for your gym membership. We'd give you $20 for the month to pay for your gym membership, which will usually pay for just about any gym out there. Or most of the good gyms, that's your entire membership cost. We brought in this personal trainer and dietitian who will do monthly meetings for everyone on the team, anyone who may want to join and listen, and then also does one-on-ones with them. And we pay 100% for the for the dietitian monthly meetings, and then we'll pay for half of the one-on-one sessions that they do. Also, I mentioned relationships earlier. I think relationships are probably the most important thing that we have on this entire planet. More important than money, more important than even our health is our relationships. I could spend a long time telling you why I believe that to be true, but (laughs) unless you ask, I'll spare you those details. But if you agree that it's important, you would say that we all could probably be better at managing our relationships. And so we hired a life coach. And so we'll pay for a life coach for anybody at the company who wants to speak to a life coach and the one that we hired. And now I think we have two. He focuses on relationships more than anything else. So those are just a few of the many benefits we've added to our team to try to enhance their lives in the areas that we feel are probably the most important to most human beings. I I think that's great. Personal finances, your health, and then even your mental health, which is a big issue right now in construction and the trades and having that life coach and being able to support that. We've seen some companies, what they'll do is they'll actually bring the spouse in too, in some of this stuff and really help them. And what I've learned is that if I can make the home life just a little bit better for my team members, they're going to reciprocate and bring that back to the office, just like you said. So I love all of those examples you just gave. And that's a real differentiator for you too, when you're recruiting people as well, is to say, hey, look at, we aren't just going to teach you how to turn a wrench and just do the job we're actually going to give you some extra life skills and we're actually going to help you out personally so you can achieve your personal goals. I think that's a huge differentiator that you could really use in your recruiting to help you grow that team as well. That's fantastic. So I'm listening to you talk about this stuff and like you said, it's common sense and it sounds so simple. So Justin, tell me, why don't people do it? I think just common sense isn't always common practice. I think we just fall into these habits and unless someone brings it to our attention unless we've got a good coach or a mentor or someone, especially as business owners, for the business owners out there, often most business owners don't have a coach. They don't have someone who looks over their shoulder and says, hey, did you notice you're doing that wrong? And I think that's part of the problem too. And if they do, does that person even understand what we're talking about? And so I do think it's really important that all business owners have a coach and that they're asking that coach to evaluate what they're doing on a regular basis and give them brutally honest feedback. But I think that's probably why a lot of us miss it. It's just doing it the way that we've observed others doing it and nobody to really come in and show us how we're doing it wrong or to tell us otherwise, especially as an owner. Yeah. I can picture some people right now listening, thinking, you know, those are great ideas, but my team's not going to care about that stuff, right? Like I can picture them having that internal dialogue right now. My team's not going to care. And I love what you said is like, it really starts at the top, right? It starts with the leader making this mindset shift. Well, it's one or two tips you can give us or one or two action items you can give us to help make that mental shift from, 
I don't need to do this too. I need to do something. Like you gave us some great items to actually go do, but how do I get over that mental gap, right? You'd mentioned the ignorance, the I did it that way because that's the way I was taught. How do we make that mental shift? What are some tips you have for our listeners on that? So I do believe that every business should have a mission, vision, guiding principles, and core values. And those documents should have some language in there that speaks to some of this. And I also think you want to you want to take it to a significant level. You want to take this really seriously, create a culture document. And within there, describe the culture that your organization is going to have. And so it could say, I define the culture at, you know, ABC heating and air conditioning as, or we do, or we are, and use strong language like that and define what your culture will be. And in doing so, think deeply about the human beings that work within the business and how this business is going to serve them. And if you think about serving them first, everything else ends up working out. I think a lot of businesses put too much emphasis on the client and not enough on their team. And what I've learned is if you focus on the client first, rather than focusing on your team first, you will never be able to serve your client as well as you could have had you focused on your team first. Because at the end of the day, no matter how much the person at the helm cares about the client, it's the team that's probably there serving them every day. And so if you want your team to serve them at an exceptional level, well, then the team has to care at an exceptional level. And the only way they're going to care at that level is that they feel cared for first. So it's like, I think that's a, a myth or a backwards thing is to focus on client first. I think we focus on our team members first. And then as a result, they're going to love on our clients the way we've loved on them. You are speaking my language right now. I love it. And, and we did not rehearse this. So thank you, Justin, <laughs> for that. That was fantastic. I have a example that I explained to people about exactly what you're talking about. We've all heard of customer experience, but most people I talk to have never heard of employee experience. And it's exactly what you're talking about. If you focus on your employees' experience, they will take amazing care of your customers. But the inverse isn't true. That's another great action item. I know we were talking about action items, but evaluate your own team member experience. Write that down. Make some notes. What's it like? Imagine that person you just hired today and imagine what that person's going to go through. And I would say in a typical company, when you think about what that looks like, it's pretty sad. They don't feel very welcomed at all. Oftentimes it's like, oh yeah, you know, you're going to be riding with Joe today. He's a little bit late. Just go ahead and sit over there in the corner and he'll pick you up as soon as he gets here. And you, you'll just ride together for the next couple of weeks and hopefully it works out, you know? <laughs> so, and that person goes and hops in with Joe and this is an annoyance to Joe. Joe didn't really want to do this today. He wants someone riding around with him in his truck. And that's their experience. And it's like, wow, I'm sure they're really feeling cared for now. And then ask yourself, okay, how do I redefine this thing in such a way where at every turn, especially in the beginning, this new team member who's looking very closely and evaluating whether they made the right decision or not in their very first week is just like, wow, this has been fantastic. I feel really cared for. I feel like an important member of this team. And we have the ability to create either one of those experiences, but we just have to be intentional about it. Brings me back to that story you started with about the hazing, right? Like that's not that great experience that people want. They want to know that you're going to be there to take care of them and help them achieve their personal goals. That's most people don't work because they just want to work, right? They work because they want to take care of their family or they want to pay rent or they want to buy a car or take a trip. Like they have personal reasons for working and we're just there to help them with that. 
And the more we can engage them and more we can make them feel like they belong, the better. I think it's great. You had mentioned earlier, you said that there's probably some people listening who may be saying, well, not my team. My team doesn't really operate that way. They don't think that way. They wouldn't appreciate all this fluffy stuff you're talking about. Well, I guess I'd ask, do you have human beings on your team or do you have some other kind of being on your team? Like, what do you have there? (laughs) If it's a human being, our brains are all pretty darn similar in terms of the way that we're wired. I mean, we all have different interests and whatnot, but there aren't many human beings who don't want to feel cared for. I mean, again, another common sense thing here, but how many human beings do you know that would say, hey, I don't really care if I'm cared for, not important to me, doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we all want to feel cared for, care about. Suicide is a terrible thing. What's the primary reason for that? People don't feel cared for. They don't feel like there's anyone on this planet who really cares about them. And and so if you've got a team with human beings on it, I can guarantee you they would prefer to be cared for. And if they're not cared for today, they deserve to be cared for and they want to be cared for. And I think you'd see a different version of those humans if you put a little bit more care into them. Yeah. And you're not saying that we got to just go sing Kumbaya all day and and do that. Like We just have to show them that they're valued and that we care about what's important to them. Yeah. And it's the small things that make the huge difference. It's You don't even have to spend money. You don't have to give benefits. It could be simply just saying, hey, Bob, you know, I remember when we spoke last week, you said your grandma was going into the hospital. How's she doing? Wow. He remembered. He cared. He asked. He checked in. He must care about me. I like that. That feels good to be cared about. It's those small, simple things, caring about people. And if you just made a list of all the things that you could do to make someone feel cared for, we'll just do those things every day. And if you're doing that from the helm of the company, people will tend to watch and repeat your behavior. It does start at the top. It has to begin with the owners and the presidents. Yeah. And you have to want to do something different. Like You have to want this. Do not fake this. Like that's a disclaimer. Do not fake this. They will see through it. They will know that your motivations are not genuine. You have to really wear it. And I love what you said too. Oh, he remembered. But you have to create opportunities to have those conversations in the first place. Yes. And if you don't, they're not going to share anything with you. And this is something I've seen, and you've probably seen this too, is if you haven't operated this way for the last decade, and all of a sudden you go, I'm going to do this. Justin said, this is what I got to do to start it it's going to feel weird. Yep. And your team is going to look at you weird because they're like, what's going on? And be like, are you dying or something? What's what's going on here? (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's that it's being intentional and it's being consistent. And eventually they'll open up to it. So another action item, where does this conversation, this caring conversation begin or live on a regular basis within a company? It is my belief that in every company on this planet, we should be doing one-on-ones with every single team member every single week. Whoever they directly report to, they should have a one-on-one with that person. And that person should be trained on how to do a proper one-on-one. And in my opinion, the most important thing that happens in a one-on-one is care. That's where it begins. And if that's all we accomplish on this one-on-one, I'm perfectly okay with that. If we don't get into any conversations about their work performance, what's going well, what they're struggling with in the work world, perfectly okay with that. That's secondary to how are you? And I don't mean that in the way that we say it when we're passing down in the hallway, like, hey, how are you? All right, great. See you later. I mean it in like, truly, how are you? How are you doing? As a human being, I'm interested in knowing how you're doing. And again, if you've never done that before, people might think it's a little bit weird. 
but that is the most important question in the one-on-one. And again, in the beginning, if you don't do this often, you may have to question a little bit deeper. Like, is everything going great at home? Is everything going great for you here at work? Is there anything that's bringing you stress right now? What's your experience been like here? Do you love it here? What could we do to make you love it here? But just questions to understand how they're doing, how they're feeling. And in the event, something isn't so good. Another action item, take action on whatever it is that that may be off in the relationship or at home. Is there a way that you could possibly help this human who is not having the best time right now? Yeah. And take action on that. We had a client uh, years ago and they had a tech that all of a sudden performance just plummeted and they didn't know what was going on. We use behavioral assessments in some of the work that we do and they ran the assessment and it said something was definitely out of whack. So they sat down to have a conversation with him and he just starts crying right in front of them. And he was going through a nasty, nasty divorce and he didn't want to let work know because he didn't want them to judge or whatever was going through his mind. And he thought he was doing a really good job of not letting it show up at work, but it was just, it did not go well. So they sat down and they said, well, how can we support you? And he says, you know, that one of the biggest things for me right now is you know, if I need to go to a meeting with my attorney or a court or something like that to deal with this stuff, I'd like to know that you're flexible with my schedule. And that would be just huge weight off my shoulder that I'll still have a job, but you'll let me deal with my stuff that's going on personally. And they're like, absolutely. Like within reason, we can help and accommodate as long as you know a couple of days in advance. So we don't put you on the schedule. And all of a sudden his performance went back because he knew he was cared for maybe it gets better than ever before as a result of the loyalty that's felt now for this company who had his back. Yeah. Yeah. So many opportunities. You know what? We could keep going. I feel like we're getting on a roll here with some of these great action items, Justin. Thank you so much. They're great. And I I think what it comes down to though, is making that decision that you want to do this differently and you want to connect and let people know that you care is, I feel like that's action step. Number one is making that mental, that decision to go do this. This was so great. If people want to learn more about you or they want to be able to connect with you and maybe even pick your brain a little bit more, how do people get a hold of you? How do they find you? Email is probably the best for me. My email address is jcarroll at p1servicegroup.com. And Carol is spelled C-A-R-R-O-L. Okay. That's awesome. And I know that you're still growing the P1 service group. So if anybody wants to be part of a larger group, maybe there's even some opportunities to have that conversation and then they could actually learn firsthand from you guys how to do this, which would be incredible. You know what, Justin, thank you so much for being on here today. This is a topic that is so near and dear to my heart. As soon as you started talking about vision and values and all that other stuff, I was loving it. So thank you so much. I think there's some really great practical tips for someone who's actually built a very large, successful team. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor. The Blue Collar Culture Podcast is sponsored by bluecollarculture.com. We help entrepreneurs create a healthy culture and build a self-managing business. To learn more, go to bluecollarculture.com.